Let's pick up uh, tonight in Hebrews chapter 11. We're still in this series on faith and prayer. And we left off two weeks ago talking about how the reason faith seems so difficult is that sense knowledge has gained the ascendancy in both the educational and religious spheres. This sense knowledge has all come through our physical contact with the world. It's worse than that because I was reading an article was either yesterday or today about how that the the video is used to manipulate the way people think. You take the video and add to the audio and then apparently there are certain words, key words that they repeat that somehow your mind attaches to stronger or more quickly, but it only works if you shut down other voices. And that's why they have the whole campaign against misinformation. You know, it's interesting because whatever the devil is using for evil is typically a perversion of something that God has intended for good. And I was uh, reading this article, and I was, uh, I was reading the article, and then there was a video with it. And I was thinking about how that we're supposed to meditate on the Word of God. It was interesting, too, because all of this happened right after I had listened to a Kenneth Hagin message in my car, the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003. And he was such a nice man. But... Whatever service that was, man, he got after those people. And he told them, he said, some of you are looking out the window. Uh, you know, some of you are doing this or that or the other. And, and he talked to them just a few minutes. It was like five minutes inside of a message about respect for the word of God. And then I just sat in a champion builder group a week or two ago. And the leader was saying that in the old study courses, we didn't write out the scriptures. And we kind of got in the habit of doing that because sometimes, most of the time, they're in NIV, but then sometimes New King James or Amplified or whatever. So we kind of got in the habit of putting the scriptures in the books. But he was talking about how cool it was in the old days. You sit around a champion builder group and say, okay, let's go to this passage. And you hear the pages rustling. And uh, I'm old enough to remember when you could stand in a church and say, okay, let's go to Hebrews 11. And you could hear the pages rustling. But see what that is, it's a combination of the visual with the, with the auditory. Are you hearing me? And so there's power when information comes through more than one gate at a time. All of us have, probably nearly all of us, have had little tiny children. And uh, Emma was so excited for her birthday, she uh, got a puzzle. And it reminded me of a puzzle I got when I was a little kid. So some things do hang around. But it was the 50 states, and it was a puzzle. And because there, no two states are the same shape, it was a puzzle. So 
they do that in education, the visual, the auditory, and then something you touch. Does that make sense? And the more ways in which information comes to us, the more likely it is to stick. And, and while I was watching this video, reading this article, I was thinking about how often God talks about meditating on the word of God. And there's no bigger success story in the Bible than King David. And he talked about meditating on the word of God. And when God life coached Joshua, what would that be like? This Christian people have no idea how Jewish folk look at Moses. Because Christian people look at Abraham and he's the father of our faith. But to Jewish folk, Abraham's nothing compared to Moses because he was the deliverer. And so this great man died. What would that be like? And now you have to carry these people who have been nothing but trouble for 40 years into the promised land and lead them into victory in the, and, and, and into inheriting the promised land that God had provided for them via promise. I mean, you know, and that's, that's a whole different Wednesday evening or series of messages. God says, I'm giving you this land. Yeah, but it's chock full of people. Well, that's your problem. I'm giving you this land. Yeah, but some of them are giants. Yeah, but that, that's your problem. I'm giving you this land. And, and we Christians, we just think, you know, every promise is going to be easy. There's not going to be a fight to it. Why would Paul talk about the good fight of faith if there weren't going to be a fight to it? So sense knowledge. What is sense knowledge? What we can see, taste, touch, hear, or smell. And we left off a couple of Wednesdays talking about how that fancy people have always mocked religion or Christianity because it takes faith to believe that. Well, now it takes faith to believe MSNBC. Now it takes faith to believe the CDC. You see, in other words, they led the country, they led the populace down a path, and at the end, you, see, you have to believe it. It's not science. You know, when we started the Sunday series on 1 John, he starts out, that which we have seen, that which we have heard, that which we have touched, that, that which we have felt. That's why we're teaching you on faith and prayer on Wednesday nights because it's not enough to hear Pastor Sue's testimony. It's not enough to hear a story that Austin tells. It's not enough for me to give you examples from my life. You need to have your own victories. Amen. See, because once you have seen it and, and handled it, well, nobody can talk you out of it. Can you see that? So we have learned to trust so utterly in our eyes, our ears, our, ten, our sense of touch, of smell, and the sense of taste that spiritual things can seem hard to understand. It's easy to believe in things you can see, <laughs> but, you know, they're, they're asking you to believe in stuff that you can't see. It's amazing to me, totally amazing, you know. 
we ain't, we ain't messing with no viruses. And then, oh yeah, well, we just created one 80 times more powerful. It's unbelievable what they're doing. And we're just supposed to trust. And this all, to me, makes faith in God seem easy peasy. Because at least God's for me. At least God's not trying to neuter me. At least God's not trying to, you know, kill me. Can you see? In other words, it, it makes it easy to believe the word of God. But that's just me. Now, the crowd said about Jesus, we see the miracles, and so now we believe you. And Thomas fell down at his feet when he saw the wounded side and the holes in his hands and feet. And Thomas said, Lord, I believe. And Jesus, said, Jesus replied, blessed are those who have not seen yet believe. So faith is independent of sense knowledge. Now, I don't want to be misrepresented or misunderstood. There's a time to use sense knowledge. I sat down this morning and I, you know, I wrote a check. I had a bill. I wrote a check. I use sense knowledge to do that. There's a time to use sense knowledge. But if I had sat down to write the check and there wasn't enough money, well, then sense knowledge won't do me any good. Then now I got to go to faith and believe God. Not write a faith check, but believe the money in. Hebrews 11.3 says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made, made of things which do appear. So which is the greater or which is the more powerful? That which preceded or that which followed? That which preceded. So this world of seen things was made of things which do not appear, or we could say do not appear to the natural eye. Now, we know more scientifically than probably the Apostle Paul did. We know, for example, about atoms. We know that even though this aluminum seems solid, it's not really. There's neutrons and atoms and things spinning around, and, but, but they move so fast that it appears to be solid. So Paul didn't know all that. We also know that at the end of the day, everything material, because of that, what I just described, everything material is actually power in another form, another manifestation. We also know that power is creative and power is destructive. It didn't work out so well for the folks in Sodom and Gomorrah. In other words, when power is released, power can be productive. Many years ago, we read an article about a man that was born blind, and uh, he was out in a thunderstorm and got hit by lightning and all of a sudden could see. And it reminded us of church. <laughs> you know, the power of God hits somebody and they can be healed. But the next tree over, somebody could have been hit by lightning and it killed him. So we understand some of these things now that maybe the Apostle Paul didn't, yet by the Holy Ghost. He wrote these words, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. So the worlds were framed 
by the Word of God. I was reading today about a, a supernova, the biggest explosion that they've ever known of, you know, so two point something billion light years away from us. And the life at the end of its star went supernova, then created a black hole. Think about it. All of that began, all those beautiful pictures that they send back from the Hubble telescope, all of that began with words. God spoke words, and all of that came to be. See, that's power. I said, that's power. And Hebrews 11.3 explains Hebrews 11.1. Hebrews 11.1, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. In the, in the King James, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In other words, I'm hoping for something. And faith or the word of God is my evidence of what I'm hoping for until I have it. And until I have it, it's an unseen thing. And Hebrews 11.3 in the King James says, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are not seen were not made of things which do appear. Now these are things to meditate upon because everything that we see had a beginning. And the beginning of everything that we could see with our eyeballs was words, God's words. We said uh, last Wednesday night that somebody tells us something and we take it to be true. We may find out later it wasn't true. We hear a news report on television, we assume it's true until we find out maybe it wasn't true. We read something in an article and we take it to be true. We find out later it wasn't true. But see, that never happens with the word of God. We don't go to the word of God and find something in the word of God and then find out later it's not true. It never happens. Faith is assurance of things hoped for, a conviction of things not seen. Now, if you're here tonight and... <laughs> You're working on a faith goal. Sue was uh, ministering to her mom and they watched uh, the second message from the Praise Cure. That's a series maybe eight years old. It's on the app. It's great stuff. I just watched uh, Austin's Songs of Praise Part 1 today. My gosh, what a message. But the point is, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, a conviction of things not seen, a conviction of things not seen. And one of the reasons we don't have conviction of things not seen is we're waiting for the manifestation and then we'll praise God. That's not faith. I said we're waiting for the manifestation and then we'll praise God. And actually, and I've done it myself, Preachers are responsible for a lot of this. <laughs> Sunday, Sunday morning, I laid hands on people. 
And it's hard not to do it because what we want to do is say, check yourself. It's hard not to do it, but that's not the answer. Now, later, we'll get testimonies, and we praise God for the testimonies. But are we what we, are we what the Word of God says we are because of some physical circumstance? I said two Wednesdays ago that the biggest thing the devil ever fought me on was 2 Corinthians 9-11. You've heard me tell the story a thousand times. Lord, I'm tired of not ever having any money. We moved in that first little building up there at I-30 and Fielder Road after the top. While we're under construction, uh, today's October 19th. That was October 19th, 1987. The stock market crashed and recession set in. We're under construction. We moved in the third Sunday of March. So we moved in in a recession. And the Lord said, well, son, you never have any money because you never save any money. And I was without excuse. I was without excuse because the June before, June of 1988, we heard Dr. Frederick Casey Price talk about the other side of signs and wonders and how we love miracles. We love signs and wonders, but you can't walk by that. You got to walk by faith. But I needed, I needed some more beatings. I needed to do without. I needed to have my backside, backside kicked another year. And so I get over into 1989. Lord, I'm tired of not ever having any money. Son, you don't ever have any money because you never save any money. So I began taking action on what he told me because it lined up with the Word of God in the book of Proverbs. I began taking action on what he told me. But also I knew that I'd missed it. And let me tell you what, getting somewhere with God and getting prayers answered is a whole lot about admitting when you're wrong and admitting you missed it and going back to the drawing board and starting over and finding out what you need to do different. Because if you're one of these people that nobody can ever tell you anything because you already know everything, well, you're not going to get anything from the Lord because he is the Lord. He changes not. And if it ain't working, it must be on my end. It ain't working. It's not on his end. It ain't working. And so, and then I had, uh, I had Dr. Fred Price's. I didn't mean to go down all these paths. 1989, you know, and we were doing without and I was blue, man, it was hard. So I got in touch with my feminine side and I went shopping. And I bought me a, my first BMW. It was a one-year-old BMW. It had 12,000 miles on it, but man, that thing was like new. And it, was, it had a cassette tape deck in the dash. Now, you don't know what that is. And uh, although I'm old enough to remember eight tracks, but we won't go there. And so I, I bought Fred Price's 55-part series on the power of a positive confession. And it's not like it was today. Today, I don't do anything. You know, I study, I pray, I show up, I read reports, I tell people what to do. 
Then I go back and I study and I pray. Back then, I, I, I'm the guy that ran to Sam's. I, I, I did every hospital visit. I did everything. And so in the midst of running all those errands, I'm listening to this teaching on the power of positive confession. And so I began working on my confession. I began, you know, working on uh, Philippians 4.19. My God is able to supply all of my needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. And then I was up in Tulsa in a winter Bible seminar, and it was uh, two or three years we met in the gymnasium. They had built a gymnasium added on to a roller rink. You can't relate to this, but at the back of the roller rink, there were a bank of pay phones. And I'd, I'd had a cell phone while we were building I-30, but it was so rugged, so tight, I had to give that up because of the bill. And so I'm at the bank of pay phones. I call the office, see if there's any messages. I get off the phone and I hear Kenneth Hagin say, you have to be careful with Philippians 4.19 because you can get stuck there. That's all he said. So I had to come back to Arlington, Texas and, and do my homework. And I had to search and hunt and find scriptures that went beyond needs met. And of course, my favorite was 2 Corinthians 9.11. You'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And I'm telling you, I've never had the devil fight me as much on anything as that. He, he would say, you're lying. I had church members say, you know, that knew something about the circumstances because I'd stand up in the offerings. I'd say, you know, all of our needs are met. All of our bills are paid. We're being made rich in every way so we can be generous on every occasion. And I had people fall out with me. Pastor, that's not true. And I would say what I told the devil. I would tell them what I told the devil. How can, if I'm saying what God has said about my life, how could I lie? My point is, I told all of that five minutes to get to this, you have to come to a point where you have conviction that I'm going down this road, hell or high water. I don't care what the devil has to say about it, what relatives have to say about it, what, what the Fed's doing, what the stock market's doing, what's going on. This is the way I'm going. And I, I've got conviction. You see, and a lot of people can't, they, they, they want to, you know, check yourself, you know, are you, am I healed because of what I feel in my body? Are my needs met because of what the checkbook says? You know, I'm so tempted because I grew up in Detroit to say we have all this something backwards, but you know, I can't say that on a Wednesday night. Uh, I can say that at home, but I can't say that here. We, ha we have it backwards. And this is what it takes to develop a level of power with God. To walk by faith and not by sight. Now there's a time to walk by sight when you're tying your shoes. There's a time to walk by sight. You know, when you're crossing the road with a toddler and you got to keep a hand on them and, and pay attention to what the light's doing. There's a time to walk by sight. But there are times in life where walking by sight will not cut it. And, you know, we want to we look at the checkbook and then say all of our needs are met. Now, we got a lot of new people. When, when I started down this road, this church had three pages 
accounts payable, single space, three pages. And today, well, we don't have any bills, we don't have any debt, and we, we got reserves. Amen. Amen. And so apparently we got some traction. What I'm saying is there, there has to come a point of conviction. See, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So there has to come a place in faith and prayer, where my conviction is not what my eyes tell me when I look at a computer screen. And my conviction is not what my body's telling me. And my conviction is not what the circumstances of life are telling me. To walk in this thing we're teaching on faith and prayer, there has to come a level of conviction that what God has said is true. End of sentence. Now when you start out and you got nothing, you know, it's like carrying a pack uphill and the devil will fight you because he doesn't want you walking in victory. See, the problem with victory is it's contagious. And if you walk in victory, well, you might turn somebody else on to the word of God. And then if they walk in victory, well, they might turn somebody else on to the word of God. See, he can't, he can't afford that. And the same thing with our bodies. Am I healed because I feel like I'm healed or am I healed because of what God has said? And so I mentioned the praise cure. This is, this is one way to develop this thing of conviction to praise the Lord in advance because see, am I going to thank the Lord for all of my needs met when all of my needs are met? Or am I going to thank the Lord for all of my needs met when it looks like, <laughs> it looks like the sun will never shine again? It's good. It's good. See, how do I develop this conviction? I am what God says I am. I'm not what people think I am. I'm not what you say I am. I'm not what the world says I am. I'm not even what I say I am. I am what God says I am. Doesn't matter how I feel. Doesn't matter how it looks. Doesn't matter what the critics say. Verse 3 says, through faith we understand that, I mean, think about it. The worlds were framed by the word of God. Universes. Universes, the sun, the moon, the stars. I go out in the morning, I, I'll go home tonight, and the, the, sun, the, the moon will be there where it's supposed to be. I get up in the morning, it's a little harder to see. It's on the other side of the property, but it's where it's supposed to be. Who did all that? By what power? By words. And Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. And yet these silly preachers do everything they can to distance themselves and their so-called ministry from the Word of God. Look, without the Word, you, you don't have a ministry. 
Because if, you're, if your ministry is not based on the word of God, you're a sociologist, you're a psychologist, you're a welfare worker. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. I don't know about you, but I needed some stuff and I didn't have the wherewithal to create the stuff. So I had to go to the word of God. I had, to, I had to confess the word of God. I had to meditate on the word of God. Faith, you see, is assurance of things hoped for, a conviction, a conviction, a conviction of things not seen. It's a conviction. And people will call you names for this. Whenever my parents would visit and Austin and Christina, you know, were fighting a battle in their body, you know, we would say, they'd say, well, Austin's sick. He's not sick. He's overcoming. You're crazy. You can call me whatever you want, but you know, it works. I'm not walking by your opinion of me. Amen. I do not live my life at another man's leave. When you know God, you don't live your life at another man's leave. Hope is not faith. Faith is always now. Hope is always future. Hope is good. There, it's a, there's a good aspect of hope. Hope is a goal setter. But it's in the future. God said, let there be. And the sun and the moon and the stars came into being. And God said, let there be an earth. And the earth came into being. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And it was, it was a warm light that encircled the whole earth and made at a subtropical garden out of which came our coal fields, oil, chemicals, and minerals. And then God said, let the earth bring forth. And the earth began to bring forth. And the Lord said, let the animals come. And the animals came. See, faith is the mightiest fourth force in the universe. Faith is the greatest power in the universe. Somebody might say, well, nuclear energy. Nuclear energy is a result of what God spoke at the beginning. It all began with words. It all began with faith. God is a faith God. And that's why everything in the world, everything in the public school system, everything in the university system, everything in the CDC, the National Institutes of Health, that's why everything in politics, all of it is designed to chip away at your faith and to chip away at your faith in God and to chip away at your faith in the Bible. I was reading another article. This is fascinating stuff. You know, they've told us all of our lives that oil came from dinosaur remains. They're not even genetically related. We've been told now for 22 years or so that CO2 is bad. Look, as a human being, you can't exist without CO2. Temperatures on the planet have nothing to do with CO2. It has, it has to do with the activity of the sun. It's ridiculous. Chipping away at your faith in the word of God. Chipping away at your faith in God. Chipping away. Trying to get you to believe in man. Believe in man. Believe in, and look where it has led. I said, look where it has led. Faith is the creative ability of God. I said, faith is the creative ability of God. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to shock you, and I, I mean to do it on purpose. Faith is the creative ability of God, and faith is the creative ability of man. Why do squirrels act stupid? 
It's instinct. We, we, had, we had a heck of a time with birds. You know, some genius decided to put out a bird feeder. Oh, that was the dumbest thing I ever did in my entire life. Because these birds, you know, they, they don't want to go make a nest in a tree where they belong. They want to make a, a nest somewhere on my house. And, and, and I, I had the bird feeder out there apparently two or three seasons long enough for them to get genetically, instinctually coded. This is a great place to come and build nests. Look at this great house this guy built. So, you know, and so, you know, we, two or three years it took us to get them somewhere else. We, did, we didn't do it by killing them, you know, but, you know, I mean, we tried everything. Man, you know, Sue's reading the Aegis articles about tinfoil and, and then fake, fake, fake owls. And, and all, I mean, you can't believe that, that all because I had the bright idea of putting a bird feeder out. What finally worked, Pastor? Because some of you want to know. Those spike things you buy on Amazon, man, we put those spike things above the speakers and, you know, just made it impossible. Just made it impossible, although they have more determination. You know, at one point we put these little basketballs above the speakers and, you know, those birds, man, they just, they just pecked at those basketballs until they put holes in them, deflated them, pushed them aside and built a nest. <laughs> more determination than people. And I'll tell you what, more respect for their young than people. More care and attention in providing a home for their babies than people. But animals do what they do because of instinctual programming. Only man has been given the ability to choose. Only man has been given free will and only man has been given this awesome, incredible gift of faith. The ability to see, the ability to envision and the ability to create. Animals act by instinct, not by faith. Man can act by faith because man was created in the image of and the likeness of a faith God. Let me run that by again. Man can act by faith because man was created in the image and likeness of a faith God. Man is Let me tell you something. You don't realize what you have here. Most everybody pioneers a church and they go buy a food line or a Walmart or a Sam's or a Costco, they do a little bit of remodeling. You don't even know what you have here. As somebody started with nothing and envisioned it and drew it and built it for you, for the people of God. Whether you recognize it or not, man's entire life from the time he becomes conscious as a babe until he steps off into the unknown is a faith life. Every human being's life is a faith life. One man has faith in his senses and the other man has faith in God. See, one man, he lives his whole life going by what the boob tube tells him. 
We've seen it our whole lives. We just didn't recognize what it was. They come on in the fall and say, well, the Hong Kong flu's coming. We saw it. We, we, we've been a witness to it our whole lives and never understood what they were doing to us. Am I going to go by what the TV says? And by the way, have you noticed every one of these viruses our entire lives came from pagan, non-Christian lands? What has it got to do with us? But we live our lives by what other people have said. And, and I know people think, you know, that I'm, out of it or whatever, say, we well, you know, this recession will have nothing to do with us. It'll just pass us right on by. Look, you may not make money next year the way you made money last year, but you'll make money because you'll figure out what to do. Every year is not the same. One man has faith in his senses and the other man has faith in God. When man loses faith, life has lost its objective. Great financiers are faith men. Woolworth had faith in five and 10 cent items for sale. Ford had faith in an automobile. Edison had faith in electricity. Faith is the thing that brings success. I said, faith is the thing that brings success. Doubt is the thing that brings failure. You know, the reason I'm not permitted to do any more counseling, but way back up at I-30 many years ago, there's a long story to it that I won't tell, but the son of a man that we had come to know through a, actually through a murder, um, good-looking couple. He and his wife came in for counseling, and, you know, she sat there and told us for a half hour all of his negatives. And she got done telling us all of his negatives. And, and the man went to work every day. I mean, I, and the, he was faithful to her. I didn't hardly see what the problem was. They were in church every Sunday or nearly every Sunday. And I said, well, I'll tell you one thing. I said, your husband's got some character qualities that I think have gone unspoken here. She said, like what? I said, well, stick-to-itiveness, determination, perseverance. I said, because I would have left you a long time ago. <laughs> See, how's a man supposed to go make a living when he gets beat down before he leaves for work and then he gets beat down when he gets home from work? And people don't even realize what they're doing. You know, I used to sit and study in the cafe. I don't much do that anymore because there's so many events going on at St. Paul's Preparatory Academy and we, you know, we have a lot of tournaments here because of the facilities. They, they like to use our facilities. And it just, it just used to break my heart when non-St. Paul's people, non-Faith Christian people, Faith Christian Center people would be in the cafe. And, you know, after a sporting event, kids, kids want cookies. They want milk. They want snacks, you know. Anybody here have children? What do they want all the time? Food, snacks. And uh, 
you know, to hear, to hear the way people talk to children. It's a heartbreak. And it's obvious mom's not doing without. She may have been eating some of those children. But I mean, you know, nothing for you. We ain't got nothing for you. Or buy one cookie and five kids have to share it. Faith is the thing that brings success. And doubt is the thing that brings failure. And the educational institution that teaches doubt becomes the unconscious enemy of civilization. That's what they're doing. That everything is unfair. That, it, that none of it, there's no, they've gone from teaching equality to teaching equity. These are completely different concepts. Equality is uh, a black kid, a white kid, a Hispanic kid, an Oriental kid stand at the, at the starting gate and the gun goes off and they run and it's the same distance. That's equality. Equity is, it, it doesn't matter whether you run or not, everybody gets a prize. Well, that's not real. That's not real life. That's not even, that's not even based in reality. In the modern trend of sense knowledge has been toward agnosticism. The agnostic possesses the proud confession of I do not know. Atheism says that God does not exist and the two of them are twin enemies of success and mental spiritual progress. The agnostic makes no contribution but adds only confusion. And that's what they're doing. This is all based in um, you know, Karl Marx's teachings, Saul Alinsky's teachings, Create confusion everywhere. And to destroy the nuclear family because it is through family that beliefs are passed from one generation to the next. It is through families that societal norms are passed from one generation to the next. Societal norms. You know, how about like not rioting, you know? First time I went to the post office in Nairobi. This is just an example. I don't mean to be racial. Uh, first time I went to the post office in Nairobi, it was a, just an amazing experience. Because, you know, I'm, I'm from, I'm a 1950s issued, you know, United States of America person. And so, and these societal norms had been passed down to me, like standing in line. But the thought had never occurred to anybody in Nairobi, I'll tell you that. Because, <laughs> you know, I get behind, I mean, I'm like number five, and I look around, and now I'm number seven. <laughs> and, and then before you know it, I'm number nine. And I'm thinking, what in the world is going? And they drove like that. They drove like that. You know, if the road got a little congested, they're, they're, on, the, they're on the shoulder. If the road got real congested, they're on the wrong side of the road. I mean, it's just, a, just a, the most amazing thing. So values, norms. Which granddaughter was complaining about children not standing in line? We heard that just last week. Somebody, Riley. Riley, yeah. Like John Wayne used to say, you must have been the subject of a real poor upbringing. <laughs> but it's through... So when you destroy the family, when you destroy the family, then standards 
get destroyed. Beliefs get destroyed. Societal norms get destroyed. And they've done all of this on purpose. God is love and he works by faith. I'm going to wrap it up here. God is love and he works by faith. Say it out loud. God is love, God is love. and he works by faith. And God operates in a faith that works by love. And this is why Paul could write, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Galatians 5, 6. For you see, love demands faith because when you walk in love, your heart's desire is to do things that you cannot do. So you need faith. God is a faith God. And his faith, the faith of this faith God operates by love. So he has given us his word. And he has given us his name and his power operate through his name and his word. But if no one is teaching us the word, how can we walk in power? If no one is teaching us the word, how can we have faith in what God has said? And we're bombarded. Now it's worse than ever. The internet really in a way ruined everything. We're, we're, we're bombarded with all this information, too much information. And, and the more information that's hurled at us, actually, it seems to be harder to walk by faith and not by sight. Like I said last Wednesday night, when something goes amiss in our body, when something goes amiss in our lives, what is our first response? To say to ourselves, what has God said? Or to Google it. Because we're, we're bombarded with all this information from all of these sides. And yet, think about it. No matter what level you're at tonight spiritually, no matter what level you're at tonight in faith, no matter what level you're at tonight economically, on the most important issues of your life, you're a faith person and you're a word person or you're lost. Because when it comes to salvation, everybody in the room is counting on the word of God. When it comes to eternity, everybody in the room is counting on the word of God. So why not count on the word of God with money? Why not count on the word of God for our health? Why not count on the word of God for other things? See, is, is it just with eternity that we're going to trust him and his word? He's a faith God. Our God is a faith God. That's why Jesus could say in Mark eleven twenty two, 22, have faith in God. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Therefore I say unto you what things for every desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and ye shall have them. Why would he talk like that? Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. And what's sad to me is behind the scenes, some great ministries that we know, they know all of this. 
but it's not deemed cool in 2022, so they rarely talk about it. But you get them, you get them in a room, you get them, you get them behind the stage in a, in a big event, you get them off to the side, you get them in a cafe, and they know all of this, and they'll be talking faith. But it's not deemed cool in 2022. Let me tell you what's cool. What's cool is not having any bills. What's cool is not having any debt. I'll tell you, man, what's cool is, you know, not having any pain. Amen. What's cool is being able to go where you want, do what you want, vacation where you want, eat what you want, do what you want, and do it all and not have any debt when the month's over. Amen. Amen. Because our God is a faith God. And if ever you should want to please him, or if ever you should want to receive from him, you must learn how to operate in faith because that's who he is. Hebrews eleven six. without faith, it is impossible to please him. People don't do this to me anymore. You know, the, the, the white hair solves a lot of problems. But when I was a young man, they'd come up, they'd say, you know, you're always talking about faith, 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 faith. I'm not into that faith stuff. And I would tell them, well, I'm sorry to hear you're not into pleasing God. Now, Dad set him back. What? What? You saying I'm not pleasing God? Well, not if you're against faith. Because Hebrews 11:6 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Shout it out loud. Without faith, without faith. it is impossible to please him. You know, in that message, Songs of Faith, part one, Austin tells a hilarious story. They were a lot, I could tell from the story, they were a lot smaller, you know, and Sophie wanted a milkshake. And uh, Austin said, sure, you know, you ask Austin for a milkshake, he'd probably take you, you know. <laughs> you know, he's good to go on a milkshake. So yeah, we'll go get a milkshake. And then Sophie was, you know, going on and on and on. Can, I, can, I, can we have a milkshake? And then Michaela started in like, in, in a duet, you know, as if his word was no good. Look, if, if Austin Lingerfeld says we're going for milkshakes, you can take it to the bank. We're going for milkshakes. You know, it's like going to Andy's, you know. So, but what a great illustration because God has said, and God has said, and God has said, and God has said. And the devil's always right there like he was with Eve and Adam in the Garden of Eden did God really say, and almost couching it like the old man must be nuts. But without faith, it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he, and this is the part that really ticks people off. But without faith, it is impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of them who sloppily and haphazardly seek him. Now he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. Say it out loud. Our God is a faith God. And to please him and to receive from him. I must operate by faith. 